Hello, this is Cassia. I'm coming to you a little bit later. We kind of wanted to add this to the intro to episode 113, but I've moved to the Great White North, and we wanted to say that we are with Ukraine, and we are against Russia's imperialism and against imperialism in any form, and... Mm -hmm. I love flags, and I love the Ukrainian flag. It's, uh, I'm reading from my book. It says, the flag is said to resemble the Ukrainian landscape of golden wheat fields stretching to the horizon to meet the blue sky. I've always loved uh, yellow and blue, and uh, I hope that the people of Ukraine know that uh, good people around the world are there with them, and Corona has been hard. The last few years have been hard. There's been a lot of unprecedented circumstances and like a rise in hate crimes, the pandemic, and many other things. And we hope that the the podcast has been something that can help kind of make these hard times a little bit easier. But like, I hope that we in our in our stories and posts and episodes haven't uh, totally discounted what's going on in the world and we try to be good citizens of the world. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it's uh, something we definitely wanted to do was to hop on here before the episode gets started and, you know, condemn uh, Russia's actions on Ukraine and we encourage everyone to, you know, find ways that they can uh, donate or help or um, you know, at least keep yourself informed on uh, what's going on and kind of the ramifications for that. But uh, we encourage everyone to go to the International Committee of the Red Cross. Um, if you're able to uh, donate to help, you know, this kind of funds uh, hospitals and things like that. And you can find that at the icrc.org uh, and, you know, kind of read about, you know, their actions that they're taking to help the people, um, you know, there on the ground in the Ukraine. So uh, thank you very much. And uh, now for the episode. We are the Old Republic Podcast. Spoiler alert for everything Star Wars under the Twin Suns. This is where the fun begins. Hello, everyone out there. Before we dive into this episode, we just wanted to thank Seymour Dover for joining our patreon at the level of jedi guardian yeah absolutely thank you so much for helping us out we appreciate it and uh, if you want to check out our patreon what we have going on over there you can find it at patreon.com slash old republic podcast or the link is in either of our instagram bios and we definitely appreciate the support yeah and we have some awesome fan films coming and more lo-fi so check it out at our Patreon, and may the Force be with you. Hello there, this is Daniel Hodge, and I play Darth Malak and Kandris in Unreal Cinema's Knights of the Old Republic series. This is the Old Republic Podcast. Be sure to check out their Patreon at www.patreon.com slash oldrepublicpodcast. Mokraftin vara medig. Yes! <laughs> oh well, well I got a yes, awesome. so that's 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 pretty good. I wasn't I wasn't sure how you did, but uh, our guest yeah. seems to think it was pretty good. So yeah, that was good. Oh, thank you. So um, 
that was May the Force Be With You, uh, according to my friend Anton, uh, who lives around Stockholm, so shout out to Anton, and our lovely guest today, as you might guess, is the Swedish Jedi, so how are you doing today? I'm good! Really excited to be on this podcast, it's gonna be so much fun. Oh, thank you. So today, uh, we are talking about a book we just read, you know, uh, the book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Just kidding. It's a, it's a Disney plus show. Um, I can't wait for, uh, the book to come out like the, the TV show of Boba Fett, you know? Uh, (laughs) So (laughs) that would be, that would be a really good title for a book, I think. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So Seven episodes of, you know, I was going to say Boba Fett Madness, but I'm like, that's actually a lie, but we'll, we'll get there, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, but before we, we kind of dive into all things, uh, Mandalorian and Boba Fett, can you kind of introduce, uh, yourself and, and what you do? No problem. So I'm, uh, first and foremost, I'm a mom. I have two kids. I am married. I live close to Stockholm in Sweden, and normally for my day-to-day job is teaching. I teach Spanish and English for students who are around like 12 to 16 years of age. And then uh, in my free time since like two years, I've been running my Instagram account, which is called The Swedish Jedi. And it's all about being positive about every single aspect aspect about Star Wars and being open-minded. But I also like to talk about difficult and tough topics, kind of like weave it into the whole big picture. For example, I like to talk about feminism. I've talked about uh, mental health and many other different topics. And I usually do like big ass essays on Instagram, which I wonder why on earth do people even read it? But people do. So I'm like, thank you so much. So grateful for that. For that. And I've also been involved with other content creators for a while. So that's fun. And I've made quite a few friends. So it's, a, it's been an amazing journey, especially during the pandemic. And I should add, I'm 35. So I'm the I mean, the mature age range, I would guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah, I love I love when we have guests on, you know, that are in my same age bracket because, uh, you know, then we can, we can talk about, you know, uh, the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy yeah. and the sequel trilogy, right? You know, get these youngsters yeah. on here, here here now. So uh, <laughs> well, definitely yeah. definitely fun to, to have someone, you know, in my age bracket. So uh, the Swedish Jedi, how did you get into Star Wars? And, you know, what do you like... You know, like on the Instagram, what do you like about tying Star Wars in, you know, into the positivity, into the feminism, you know, all that stuff? What do you what do you like about um, tying Star Wars into that? Um, I it's funny because I was I watched uh, episode two at the movies back in 2002 and my it was my brother who dragged me along. And I didn't like it at all. I went <laughs> out of the movie theater being like, ugh. Um, but then, like a year later, I watched the original trilogy with some friends, and I loved it. But it took quite a few years until I really like got hooked, uh, and that was after The Last Jedi. So I would probably say that I'm a sequel trilogy fan, for, first and foremost. But since 
like a year and a half, I've also rediscovered the prequels. So I try to bring every single aspect of Star Wars. It's important. And I've also watched most of the Clone Wars. Still not Rebels. Uh, but I just love, you know, connecting important topics into and weaving it into to my essays and Star Wars. Uh, because, I mean, Star Wars is so positive. It has so much great inside of it. So... It's kind of easy to connect connect stuff, and people are interested. They're hooked. Um, I guess if I would just be writing writing about feminism, I wouldn't gain like as big of an audience. But since I'm kind of talking about both, somehow people are also passionate about Star Wars are interested to hear my thoughts. So it's kind of like win win, I guess. If that yeah. kind of answered your question. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I love uh, your posts. They're so well thought out and you touch on like things that some other maybe content creators like would be a little bit too hesitant on which really aren't controversial but like talking about feminism and and, uh, mental health and uh, you're kind of like talking about the ethics of deep faking and uh, I think it's good to just kind of like rather than having hot takes you know like kind of like sifting like the pros and cons of both ideas and like kind of finding out the good you know and the bad and potentially the ugly you know but uh like i i like love your account and uh it's one of the it's it's one of my favorite uh on instagram so yeah (laughs) thank you that's a huge honor i'm like whoa seriously uh it's (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much. Like knowing that you're a writer, it gives you so much joy. <laughs> knowing that Aww. someone who knows their stuff is enjoying my stuff, so thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I try to be a writer, but I mean, if I do write, I am a writer. But like, I I don't know. I think it's like a whole lot of like you know, uh, imposter syndrome. Like, I think that's ninety nine percent of being a writer is imposter syndrome, uh-huh. and like working up the motivation to to write you know but when I do I'm like hey this isn't that bad you know but yeah I I think it's cool like uh you're a teacher and uh yeah and and on top of it you have a really cool Instagram account so (laughs) yeah (laughs) thank you yeah yeah it's so much fun no it's just it's yeah it's definitely it's definitely good when you can uh, find an account and find content that has a little bit of nuance, which uh, seems to get lost in the internet uh, more often than not. Um, so yeah, it's it's always refreshing to get some, uh, you know, a little bit deeper takes on on something. You know, not necessarily pointing out the you know the the good and the bad, but you know, just just looking at it a little bit more analytically. Um, that's something you know that Cassie and I both like to do. It's uh, something we we try to bring into the podcast, you know, <laughs> as good and as frequently as we can. So yeah, it's definitely definitely nice when we can see other you know content creators out there that are uh, you know kind of you know sharing those same passions that we do. Yeah, you truly do. I've been listening. Uh, I've been listening to you in the past, but for a while I took a break from you. But going back to your podcast, it's so refreshing. I guess you guys really, really, really bring so many good thoughts and such great conversations. So thank you for that. Yeah, kind of like looking over the Book of Boba Fett. uh, 
I guess, season one. I, I'm kind of expecting a season two, honestly. Um, what did you kind of think of the show overall? I think it had quite a few great moments, quite a few great angles, especially the whole story with the Tuscans, uh, Boba being adopted into, into the tribe, learning their ways and becoming a different man because of it. I love that. It was really beautiful and uh, really humanizing a, uh, an, an, an indigenous tribe. It's a kind of a different take, which is usually you go a different road in storytelling. You have been historically, so I love that. And also, I have really appreciated uh, the dynamics between Fennec and Boba. They are so great together. Mingna Wen and Timuera Morrison, such a great team. Uh, that's been so enjoyable. And also, I had to, you know, touch on the fact that there's been quite a few of Mando quite a lot of Mando content coming in, sneaking in. And uh, as a Mandalorian episode, I absolutely loved episode uh, five. It was mm -hmm. an amazing ride. Like, it was spectacular. I give, I sort of give it 10 out of 10 from my perspective. It had such good, good writing and uh, directing and moments, especially like the whole Beggar's Canyon sequence was... It was it was mind blowing. It really sucked me into this universe. I just wanted to be there, be a part of it, and sit down, sit in that N one sorry fighter myself, and just <laughs> jet off, you know. Yeah. Um, so that was just just a few moments, and also seeing Luke, deep fake Luke, was pretty awesome with with Grogu and that whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in it. Um, I'm probably gonna give back the word to you because I feel like I can I can leave the negatives <laughs> later. Yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. Um, yeah, there was a lot of really good stuff in this. Um, if if you look at it, you know, as a as a whole story, if you break it down into smaller sections, a, a lot of really cool stuff. A lot of good stuff, like you mentioned with the the you know the tribe of Tuscans. Um, you know the the stuff with Luke. Uh, you know, especially yeah, at chapter five, the return of the Mandalorian, um, just an excellent, excellent episode of, you know, television, uh, just in general. But I guess maybe before we, we dive into the, the stories here, uh, too much. Now I know, uh, we've talked about it a little bit on the podcast before, uh, Cassia, you and I, you weren't a big Boba Fett fan. This wasn't really something that you were looking forward to, uh, that much. I was kind of middle on the road, uh, with it, but Matilda, uh, what about you? Were you a big Boba Fett fan? Was this something you were looking forward to, or um, you know, or did you you fall in love with the Mandalorian and wanted to see what happened next, kind of in these stories, or uh, what were your expectations? I guess going into it before we, you know, before we even saw the first episode. I think I wasn't really interested at all, to be completely honest. Or it was. I figure this is gonna tie into the Mandalorian, and I love the Mandalorian. Uh, the dynamic between Grogu and Mando. Uh, while Boba, he didn't intrigue me at all when he appeared in, it was at episode 15 or something, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, yeah, he's cool. Let's move on. Uh, fun for the people who love him. But I, yeah, so going into it, I had, I didn't have high expectation at, at all. And the first episode, I was kind of disappointed. But as 
you know, the show has progressed, I have grown more, more and more fond of the characters. So there's been a, I've, I've been turned, so to speak, from being not interested to somewhat interested in the character. Yeah, I mean, I think episode two is what uh, made me a Boba Fett person. Um, Because I think I was kind of expecting, like, the book of Boba Fett to be kind of just, like, a male gaze explosion hallway scene trip. And I'm like, Mm. ugh. Like, I'm really not excited for this. But then, kind of like Boba Boba and Fennec uh, both got... uh, more fleshed out and uh and uh, i really loved uh episode two a lot by by steph green and it, it mm-hmm. really kind of um changed the game in a lot of ways and i it made me a boba fett person so i guess i have the book of boba fett to to think so i can say that <laughs> yeah i agree that episode was great absolutely it yeah, so, yeah, definitely Chapter 2, The Tribes of Tatooine. And that was kind of the first, like, half of the Book of Boba Fett. I guess if you if you want to take it, like, in two halves, the first four mm-hmm. episodes were really kind of about the, kind of the rebirth and, uh, you know, kind of backstory of Boba Fett. And, yeah, the there was something so magical about uh, Chapter 2 that Steph Green did. Um, you know, breathing life into this Tusken Raider tribe, you know, showing us, uh, you know, their culture um, and how they, how they lived and how Boba Fett came to be a part of it uh, was just, was just really excellent. Um, we, we unfortunately kind of lost that story is something I wish that we would have carried on. And I guess the, the door is still kind of open for that story to continue, but um, I would have liked to have seen those threads kind of carry on throughout the, the entirety of the show. Um, but yeah, I, I really like the kind of front half of this quite a bit. So getting to learn, you know, about them and how Boba came to, you know, be in their care and be part of their tribe and to adopt their ideals. Um, I thought was was really, really uh, good and uh, really great storytelling. And uh, yeah, def- just a different angle than we've seen in Star Wars before. Yeah. Uh, I mean, kind of like looking at chapter... Chapter one, it kind of like started that thread, and it it was interesting. Uh, Stranger in a Strange Land by Robert Rodriguez. Um, one thing I found fascinating was like kind of how like Boba had to get out of the Sarlacc in the first place uh, before he was kind of I guess taken in by the by the tribe. It really reminded me of uh, The Hero with a Thousand Faces uh, by uh, Joseph Campbell. Uh, there is a triptych in there of Jonah. And it's kind of like mm-hmm. uh, uh, kind of like a crisis, death, rebirth. And you kind of see that as he, he gets out of the Sarlacc. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, it's that's very Campbellian. It's kind of like he's Jonah being mm-hmm. reborn, except he, like, I don't know. Jonah wasn't a really good dude in in my mind. So, and then he kind of becomes a little bit of a Moses figure too. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it kind of you know it goes against kind of the tropes that we'd seen you know especially in the you know in the original trilogy of what we'd seen you know with the with the Tuscan Raiders as just being um, you know kind of these in, indigenous people they were people to be afraid of but this you know really gave them uh, an identity. Um, 
you know, and and like I said, as as just building out uh, their culture um, beyond just you know <laughs> some mysterious uh, you know warning out in the desert. So I I liked that I liked that a lot, um, uh, which is which is strange. I I mean I guess they kind of set it up in you know his episode of. Uh, the Mandalorian. We first kind of see him up on that cliff kind of thing, and he, you know, he has the gaffy stick. So we kind of knew maybe yeah. that's that's where he was heading, or you know, he at least had some sort of interaction with them. But I'm I'm glad that they, you know, took some time over those first four episodes to really kind of expand on that lore um, and that world building. Yeah, yeah. I found it so intriguing to see, like, they really turn the tables on ex- expectations in general. Like you said, uh, the expectations on uh, indig- indig- indigenous people, uh, the other. It's like all of a sudden the other is humanized, is mm-hmm. an active part of a story. Um, are people with uh, culture, with rights, with a, a history, uh, an intricate like community, not just some mindless killers behind some rocks somewhere. So. It, I loved the whole process, both with the Mandalorian and uh, the Book of Boba Fett, of humanizing the Tuscans. And one detail that I still love, and it was even more funny in the Mandalorian, was uh, the use of sign language. I really find mm-hmm. that beautiful because um, it's so inclusive, knowing that there, there are many, many, many scores of Star Wars fans out there who are deaf. And all of a sudden they can relate to this and I guess in a different way uh, I mean us hearing people we take it for granted but all of a sudden there's a, a tribe uh, uh, a people in Star Wars that use a silent language and I, I would guess that would be amazing for someone who is deaf to see so I love mm-hmm. that yeah and before we move on to chapter two, like I just wanted to say, Max Rebo survived. And, like, <laughs> yes. if if Max Rebo was only like alive for like a couple people, I think like uh, me, Brian, and Hooney were the target audience. And it's like we just really <laughs> love Max Rebo, and it's so great that he's alive. So yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, the tribes of Tatooine by Steph Green, that made me a Boba Fett person, and, like, it was healing, and I loved it, and just, like, excellently directed, I think, one of the, the standouts of the season, mm-hmm. and, uh, just, like, having a dream vision, lizard brain, uh, <laughs> yes. forging a gaffy stick, I loved this episode so much. It was so poetic. Like it was it was taken out of any lore, any culture where now you're going to become a man, go through this initiation ritual, and this is what you're going to do and you you give it care, you give it time, and that's exactly what they did. And it made it so believable and rich and i just appreciate those details that care that tlc that this show has given to certain things at least at first with boba's story (laughs) yeah 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 it it definitely it definitely got his story off on the right foot um some of the 
the things I remember seeing online, um, you know, kind of in the first couple of episodes were, um, you know, some people weren't on board with like the flashback sections. They wanted the story uh-huh. to just be, just be going forward. But I really like the way that they, they told it and kind of, you know, almost like these dream sequences of, you know, what happened to get him from the, you know, Sarlacc pit up to present day and then, and then still kind of, uh, carrying it forward. And, and those were probably my favorite parts of the whole, the whole series, kind of that, that middle section between, uh, you know, between his, you know, re reemergence onto the sands of Tatooine and then, and yeah. then how, how he ended up getting, you know, to, to where we pick up with his story, um, in the Mandalorian. So I think that that was probably of, of the episodes, that was probably my favorite part, um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm in the, the minority there, but, but, but that's okay. That's okay. I think you can take different parts away from the story, which is, uh, something that's, uh, you know, really good here in, uh, storytelling. Yeah, I feel like they worked. I feel like they could have utilized those moments and tied back to them later on. For example, the flashback to, I don't know if it's in this one where he sees himself as a kid, mm-hmm. uh, or it was, or if it was later on. I would have wished for them to tie back to that later on because it was a beautiful moment and you, it was great to see Camino uh, uh, in live action. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So I, that's the only, my, only, my only point of criticism when it comes to this, this whole concept of flashbacks. They worked for me. I have no complaints. They served the story well and helped us move forward and understand his growth and development and so on. So no criticism about it at all, except for the fact that I wish they would have connected back to it later on. Mm-hmm. Kept going. Yeah. And I mean, even in the story, they kind of, uh, they basically tell you, I think Fennec says something along the lines of, I guess you're all, you're all healed now. Right. So <laughs> that's putting an end <laughs> to, to kind of these, these memory sections. And, and that's, that's literally what happens after the fourth chapter, we go into, into chapter five, which was return of the return of the Mandalorian. So, uh, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely two very different, uh, stories, you know, kind of being told here in this, in this series. Uh, what did you think about the flashback sequences, Cassia? Some of them I think were utilized well, uh, but then some of them I feel like weren't utilized enough. Like they showed him as a child on Camino, which I did like, but it kind of didn't really add a whole lot other than like, no. here's Camino, you know? Like what if yeah. they would have showed like young baby Boba, baby Boba, you know? Uh, <laughs> uh, with Cad Bane or something, like a younger Cad Bane, so you. Like, what if we got, like, kind of teenager Boba, like, kind of like, his dad's dead. He has to figure out who he's going to be, and then, like, maybe, like, he kind of, who he kind of became, like, a cold-blooded, you know, bounty hunter, you Mm -hmm. know, and then, like, I kind of would have liked more of a focus, ironically, on Boba Fett, you know, and, like, kind of, like, uh... I felt like I got to know him, but I kind of would like to know kind of more, like, his life path, you know? Like, I almost kind of wonder if we should have yeah. gotten this more around the time of the prequels or the original trilogy. Because it's kind of like, the character of Boba Fett, like, is in his 40s, I want to say. I don't know, maybe even... Yeah, yeah, probably something like that, I would guess, off the top of my head. I mean, age doesn't really matter in the Mandoverse anymore. They're like, Bokutan is, yes, age, (laughs) you know? Um, Is she? (laughs) 
She she aged, uh, you know, like how old is she? No one will say, but you know, fifties, sixties. I don't know. She's in her fifties, I think, but she doesn't look it. She's yeah. way younger. She has a good skincare routine, so for sure. Um, Kenobi did not get this that skincare routine. Um, like, yeah. Her and Fennec go to the same day spa. I think it keeps them youthful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um. I don't know, like, kind of, like, more fleshed out, like, throughout his life, you know, like, mm-hmm. we got little chapters, like, so I think, like, his memories, we could get more of those in a season two, like, kind of flesh it out, you know, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I have to say that uh, episode three, it was very disheartening for me, and, like, I just kind of felt gutted watching it because so many like positive steps were taken in the tribes of Tatooine. Mm-hmm. And then like uh, to see the indigenous metaphor just like used for tragedy, you know, yeah. and uh, that takes away like most of the progress that was made. And um, yeah, even the child Tuscan and uh, just like, Every child matters, and um, just the episodes we've done with Huni, like 59, 76, 77, about that, like, it, it gutted me watching that, and uh, yeah, I I don't want to cry, but, like, yeah, it, oh, like, we gotta, if you're gonna, I don't know, kind of use those metaphors, like, I think you have to think about how this, like, representation is going to affect people you know and um i think like maybe we can update some of the the films you reference you know like uh -hmm. when you're creating these stories in the present yeah it was it was definitely disheartening to me i i kind of held out a little bit of hope like i i'd mentioned a little bit earlier they kind of left the door cracked open a little bit to maybe bring some of the the tuscan raider tribe back in so i was kind of I was I was waiting and hoping that that might be the case and that never happened. So I guess we'll have no. to see if it if it does in the in the future. But yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, uh, Cassia. Um, overall, I, I like the stuff with like the Ma Gang in Streets of Mos Espa. But yeah, I, as far as as that just kind of you know putting an end to their storyline so abruptly uh, felt felt a little uh, I, I, decisions were made and I don't I don't I don't know that I love them. But uh, yeah, that's that's what we got. Yeah. I do have to say, like, am I a poser now? Yes. Am I a poser then, like, as a kid? Yes. But did I get up to more vehicular mayhem just by having a pulse at the age of 12 than the mod gang, <laughs> you know, did in episode three? Yes, I did. So, um, wow. I don't know quite what happened, but... Um, now like I want to see you on chase, one of those. Like, I want to see you on one of those uh, little like Vespa scooter uh, speed bike things. That would be good. Yeah, it would be more intense than that. But um, <laughs> I don't know. Just like maybe in the direction, it's like, what if we went above ten miles per hour? You know, like. <laughs> yeah. What if? <laughs> it's a it's a crowded town. It's a crowded town. Yeah, Man. but it just didn't quite click. So it's kind of just like I got like kind of emotionally gutted. Uh, and then it's like, and then we got like this 
this, you know, I'm, I'm saying chase in quotes, you know, but then wow. I was like, what? wow. Like, <laughs> it was kind of the nadir for me of uh, the book of Boba Fett. So. Oh my gosh. So I, I think the speeder bike chase was excellent. So I'm going to throw this over to Matilda. She can settle the tie. What did you think about the mod gang uh, here in chapter three? Um, I think they were fun. I, See? I understand the fact that they looked a little bit different to some, they looked jarring even, but for me, Star Wars is just crazy. Just this whole crazy universe. Anything can ha- happen. Anything can be thrown in like horses on a, on a Star Cruiser. Go for it, you know, in The Rise of Skywalker. So I was like, yeah, I get it. But then they are going for, for a certain aesthetic. They are teenagers. They want to be edgy. They want to be cool. Um, they, instead of tattoos, you have these uh, whatever... Uh, cyborg yeah, the, arms the mods, and eyes yeah. and whatever. Yeah, the mods, exactly. Um, so I bought into the whole concept and I thought it was fun. I just went with it and yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not like what I wanted or I loved it, but I enjoyed it. That sure. was fun, yeah. Yeah, and I, yeah. I did like not to not to get ahead, but when we in chapter seven, when you have the uh, the people from Freetown coming in, and uh, yeah. you know, like the like the girl from Freetown is you know given shtick because you know she's like the the ma girl is like a city girl, and yeah, the there's like a yeah. you know, like a country girl. <laughs> that was fun. I I that did was like fun. that. I thought that was fun. Yeah, I mean. I I am fine with like British anarchist punks being in Star Wars. I just was <laughs> like, oh, they're on Tatooine, you know, and like yeah. choices were made with their like motorbike yeah. swoop things, and I'm like okay, like did it? I didn't connect with it, but I'm open to it. But yeah, yeah so yeah. That's right. And then to round out the front section of Book of Boba Fett, we got The Gathering Storm, uh, which was uh-huh. directed by Kevin Tancharin. I'm definitely not saying that right. I don't know. Uh, apologize, Kevin. But uh, this kind of wrapped up, like I said, that, that first section. Uh, we figure out how Boba got Fennec back. Um, he gets his ship back. Um, he decides to go back into the Sarlacc pit, um, which is pretty gross and questionable decision-making. Yeah. But... but uh, but yeah, what did what did you think about this one? Um, obviously, the stuff with the the Tuscan Raiders kind of is has ended at this point. So, uh, yeah, really, the you know it's just about getting Fennec back onto the team. Yeah, I love uh, Fennec's backstory, and when you saw that flare in the middle of the night, I was like, oh, I recognize that instantly. And then I, saw, I heard the music cue Mando sound mm-hmm. effect. Yeah. Um, that was fun. I love that. Uh, tying in the stories that are, you know, intersecting. And then it, I, the fact that, you know, people had been so negative, not you guys, but, uh, you know, in general about the mods, the previous ep- episode, I feel like the whole the whole fact that um, Boba Fett took her to a mod, mod parlor to fix her stomach mm-hmm. was just really beautiful. And uh, I hope it redeemed that whole content for quite a few people for me i mean i already enjoy them and then that whole little twist made it even more beautiful so i really like that um and i i wrote down i remember that uh, you know it can add to people 
you know, the destigmatization, destigmatization, I'm pronouncing it right, mm -hmm. of people having disabilities. Um, Right, Which yeah. I also find is beautiful, you know, the fact that you have a prosthetic leg shouldn't be considered uh, an, anom an anomaly, but rather like a superpower. So, yeah, I liked it, that whole thing. And mm -hmm. uh, other than that, I found the retrieving of the fire spray really cool. Fennec mm -hmm. really yeah. got to show her muscle in that whole sequence. And it was so much fun. I laughed so hard at the General Grievous-style droid in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. that whole sequence. It was amazing. Many laughs. And uh, Fennec, tank. Fennec Shand is a tank, basically. She is so <laughs> skilled at what she's doing. So that was so much fun. Um, other than that, uh, oh, we saw more of Chrysanthemum. Yeah. And his character uh, in the bar, he's very cuddly, I should add. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, there was just a lot of great moments in this episode. I look at look back at it, and it's one of the best ones. If I would say it could probably be my number two or three. I'm not sure among okay. the ranking. But, yeah, but it was a very good one. I liked it very much. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of cool stuff going on um, yeah. in this one. But uh, what about what about you, Cassie? Any any sort of takeaways from this one as we kind of, like I said, almost wrap up Boba Fett's story for the time being? <laughs> um, I think that uh, episode four got the season back on track, you know, mm -hmm. um, and. I loved uh, seeing Boba and Fennec become a team, you know, yeah. and uh, kind of the transition Boba, like, I guess, I'm not sure what, I mean, we're always reinventing ourselves, but af after he had no nation, you know, uh, mm -hmm. he kind of had to find out what he was going to do, and he didn't go instantly back to becoming a bounty hunter. Uh, so he teamed yeah. up. He saved someone in need, and I kind of thought that was a, an homage to Alita Battle Angel, which I believe was uh, oh. directed by Robert Rodriguez, you know? Right. Like, so, mm -hmm. so Fennec mm -hmm. kind of becomes Alita in a way, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, that, that I can kind of get behind that, you know? And uh, I mean... Some choices were made, like, I'm like, oh, they're just gonna uh, have the slave one looking right into the Sarlacc pit. I'm like, don't they yeah. know, like, this Sarlacc pit could be active, you know? Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, it made for a good scene, and I love that sound. I say, it, like, lo it looked awesome, though. It looked so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, like, climbing into the Sarlacc when it was done, I'm like, um, okay. I mean, uh, so some choices, and I'm like, uh, like... But it definitely got it back on track, and I, one of the highlights for me, and it's going to sound lame when I say it, but I love mammoths, and the oh, yeah. chew yeah. like yes. a mammoth, you know, like a grinding yes. motion. And he, and so he had his, I, I his little waggly tail. It was just great. Um, 
yeah, that's probably yeah. my favorite. My favorite kind of scene is them when they're sitting there with the bantha around, yeah. around their fire, and they're baby, and baby they're just banthas. <laughs> they're yeah. just kind of you know, and they're just talking about you know, kind of the lives that they've lived, and uh, you're really getting a chance for Boba to kind of talk through like the personal growth that he's had since yeah. you know he would have last presumably you know ran in the same circles as Fennec Chan. I I thought yeah. that that was really cool. Um, <laughs> I also just. Uh, on a side note, I really liked when they were going back in to get his ship, and she just looked so annoyed at him the whole time. She's like, "Are seriously, guy? <laughs> Will you focus on yeah. what we're doing? <laughs> let's, yeah. let's let's go." Um, but yeah, I, I like you said, Cassia. This one, this one got it back on track for me. Um, yeah. I liked the the direction of the the story where we were going. Um, yeah. Again, I, I liked it quite a bit. Can I add something about the Bantha? Yeah, of um, course. Always yeah. add stuff about Banthas, please. <laughs> I just love the whole contrast between how, you know, Mando deals with animals. Uh, mm -hmm. When he was trying to ride the Blurg, he was struggling. He was, he did not enjoy the whole experience. Well, you know, Boba, he's so gentle. He's so loving and he connects with the animals. Like, on a, even, you feel like it's almost on a spiritual level, which he does later on with the Rancor as well. Or if, mm -hmm. earlier, I mean. Um, so... It's just so wholesome. The whole Bamfa sequence. It was wholesome. I loved it so much. Uh, go make baby. Bamfa babies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it was cute. And, yeah. Uh, I also did like the little rat catcher droid. Like I call it the yes. little rabbit droid with the belly. Um, yeah. I think mm -hmm. those are always so cute. And yeah, adorable. Yeah, he was he was funny, and then he just shuts himself off. He's like, "Nope, I don't want to deal with you. Uh, <laughs> can't be bothered." Um, yeah, that, this episode this episode like um, like we you know mentioned is just really fun. Um, and then we take a very hard turn from Boba Fett mm -hmm. uh, back into the Mandalorian. So Chapter Five, Return of the Mandalorian. Yep. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard directed this one. Um, it, it opens uh, on like this, uh, uh, you know crazy uh crazy fight and uh you know he's off he's off to get a bounty he's going back to his kind of previous life you know prior to uh you know meeting up with grogu and things uh which is which is kind of sad and uh he's on his way but uh matilda why don't you tell me some of the highlights from this one this is a, a gorgeous looking episode um absolutely loved it um yeah what were some of your highlights from uh, seeing uh, Din Djarin back in action. Oh, wow. Uh, that's a very good question. I'm just going to drop a few things. Uh, there's so much. I love the whole episode from start to finish. I thought it was like basically perfect for me. Um, I loved leaving Tatooine, going into Glavis Space Station. The cin cinematography was gorgeous. Um, it was just a new concept that we haven't seen in Star Wars before, but I hear it's kind of been stolen inspired from halo uh mm -hmm. and also oh man the armor talking about mandalore um, mm -hmm. that sequence and the dark saber it was just heart wrenching i loved it it was seeing those scenes uh where someone likened it to um the blitz over london mm -hmm. i i felt like it was picked out of a documentary it was it looked so good, looked so real, and it touched me so much. Um, but then we moved on to, you know, he went back to Tatooine. He was kicked out of his family, went back to Tatooine, and started remodeling the uh, N1 Naboo Starfighter. Yeah. Um, 
some of the best moments in this episode was for sure his banter back and forth with Pelly. Um, <laughs> she had yeah. some great lines, like um, talking about the fact that uh, Jaw was a quite furry and she dated one. I, <laughs> I, I couldn't handle the comedy in this one. It was just so spot on. And then, like I said before, I mentioned it earlier, going off into Biggest Canyon and then riding out into space. Oh, mm. man, it was such a ride. And I should add all the little nods to Grogo the whole time. His little Beskar Mithril shirt being wrapped in that yep. uh, Grogu-shaped wrapper. Uh, the little Rodian on the commercial flight uh, looking at him. And you can just tell he's missing his baby boy. It was just so touching. And as a parent, I can relate to it so much. So, yeah, that episode... I don't even know where to start. It's so much. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, it um yeah, it's it's strange because on one hand, um you know, it's it's this big huge thing like you said it's this big huge like like yeah. halo type city, um something that's that's new we've never seen before. Um yeah. like, like I was getting like like vertigo like looking when he's climbing down yeah. to go meet the armor and it's just all you can see is like space out in the distance. Um you know, oh, just man. this huge this huge scope, but yeah, still a lot of like really like intimate character moments, um, like you mentioned, the armor talking about you know kind of the fall of Mandalore, the night of yeah. uh, a thousand tears. That was that was yeah. really uh, you know a sight to be seen. It was you know this this beautiful thing to to look at on screen. That stuff, all the all the stuff with Pelly was great. That whole like montage. Uh, you had the the little BD droid. I hope it's BD one yeah. from Jedi Fallen Order. I hope that's who it Thank is. You. But if it's not, he's still great. Um, I just rewatched it again uh, a couple nights ago. So I was watching him and all of you know he's turned on his little light like he does the map and the game and stuff. And yeah, uh, I loved all of that stuff. Um, from a from like a filmmaking perspective, um, it's it's unbelievable. Kind of the the stuff that. Bryce Dallas Howard did so you have like when he gets yeah. onto the that halo thing it's like a steady shot from him like going onto the elevator going up the elevator out into that party yeah. and it, like the camera just like circles around that table and they play out the whole scene and it just it holds on him until he gets back out of the elevator um so stuff like that was really cool um stuff you don't see yeah. in Star Wars a lot um which I think was was great I know a lot of people are uh clamoring for uh you know uh Bryce Dallas Howard to you know get more episodes or get a movie or or something and I'm i would definitely it. i would definitely be be down for that but uh, yeah i mean it was it was awesome all the throwbacks to the prequel stuff was yeah. super cool but um i don't know after after it was over and it, it tied back in enough with the book of boba fett i thought um you know fennec shows up at the end i'm very excited to see him uh they get back together um he says he has to go uh pay a visit to a, a little friend and that's kind of where it ends um, but what did you think yeah. in terms of how did this fit in with what we'd seen? Were you okay with, you know, veering the ship over to see what Mando was doing? Or uh, what were your uh, just kind of thoughts about it in terms of the story we're trying to tell? I was trying to be open-minded. I was aware of the fact that this could potentially ruin Boba's story. Mm -hmm. But I was hopeful for the next chapter to kind of go back to Boba uh, in order to you know, focus on him and his story and what's going on and the struggle and the uh, conflict building up. Um, so at this point, I wasn't complaining. I was really 
really happy about it. And I should add, one of the reasons why I was so happy about it was the reaction from my son. I have a seven-year-old oh, son, okay. and he, he's been watching. He was not interested in the first, first chapter of the Book of Boba Fett. He was like, ugh, it's so boring. Right. Uh, and then I brought him back on board for this episode, and he was so sold, because he is he is a natural-born mechanical engineer. Oh, okay. Uh, my husband is uh, an engineer, so he he was mesmerized by the whole episode. Uh, so that kind of redeemed or saved stuff for me. I was I was just loving it so much together with him that I could forgive them for 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 deviating from the story for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, I was really hoping for things to go back to Boba in the next yeah. chapter. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned watching. Um, with your uh, with your child there, I I watch a lot mm-hmm. of Star Wars stuff with um, with my friends, and they have uh, their yeah. son is is six. He'll be seven here shortly, so about the same age. Right. Um, and it's it's funny we were watching all of the the films leading up to Rise of Skywalker a couple of years ago, and he'd always ask mm-hmm. if it was the one with the Millennium Falcon, and we would say yes, that's Aww. basically all of them. And then he would say, is it the one with Kylo Ren? And if we said no, he's like, nah, I'm not interested. So it's it's funny to see <laughs> wow. like how Star Wars is, you know, it, it's made for kids and how kids, yeah. you know, perceive it differently than than what we do. But but yeah. yeah, I was I was definitely okay with with taking this turn. I knew we were probably going to check in with him at some point. I. I wasn't really expecting a whole episode, but the episode no. was so good, um, and it still made sense in the scope of Boba Fett's story. I thought to yeah. to check in with him, um, but I definitely wasn't expecting to to stay off for two. So we get to chapter six. From the desert comes a stranger, uh, Dave Filoni. Um, he's been on board for all of all of these stories so far, and this was his chance to uh, get his characters back in there. Uh, we open with Cobb Vanth. Yeah, he's uh, he's dealing with the pikes. Uh, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. I love Cab Vanth. Uh, but Cassia, tell us about Chapter Six. Um, I just loved it so much, and I want to read it. Up. Uh, just kidding. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I'm a very particular kind of Disney Plus show kind of person. Like, mm-hmm. I still sort of have issues with like Luke kind of showing up at the end of season two uh, uh-huh. of the Mandalorian. Like, and I probably shouldn't I guess it does fit but it kind of just felt like a little bit of a fan service moment rather than like the dictates of the story um and then kind of two episodes without Boba in like a show called the book of Boba Fett like if it weren't called Mm. the book of Boba Fett like that would probably be more forgivable like if it was called Tales from Tatooine or Tales from the Outer Rim or Mm -hmm. something but it's called the book of Boba Fett yeah um uh so for me like episode six like it definitely had better luke effects but it kind of just felt like luke was showing up with grogu to be like we hear some of you didn't like the sequels now let us try to win you back by groveling and like uh you know like doing everything we can you know uh so i was like why aren't we focusing on boba for like i mean one episode is fine but like kind of two in a row uh, I just thought it kind of showed a little bit of a lack of the lack of faith, you know, in the story that they were telling with Boba Fett. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of like overt fan service porn. I think that Cobb and Cad Bane definitely fit the episode, but having Luke yeah. and Ahsoka, like Ahsoka just turns up, like I think it should have been more magical to see them on screen for the first time yeah. together. 
Yeah. So it kind of mm-hmm. felt like a top-down decision. Like, I wonder if it was kind of like, uh, we don't care about the Book of Boba Fett. We need more Mando and Baby Yoda, you know? So that's how I felt. I kind of joked about it with a friend and I said, it's like, uh, Ahsoka felt like, from the in the pitch meeting, this is the Lucasfilm pitch meeting, going like, oh, hi, this is Ahsoka. Do you remember her? <laughs> right. She's just showing up to tell you that the, her show is coming soon. Uh-huh. Re- remember to watch it. And by the way, his Grogu, he's cute, he's adorable. Yeah. Oopsie. He, he blew up the training globe. I, if we never see <laughs> a after. little stupid... Okay, maybe I shouldn't call it stupid... If we never see the training remote ever again, I will be happy. Like it's like, oh no, it's destroyed. <laughs> Can't do that anymore. Sorry about that. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Uh, the yeah. training, the training remote is is great. I hope we keep seeing those. But yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of on board with the with the rest of this. But I, we need to yeah. train people, so that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I I was I agree to, with a lot what you what you were saying, Kazia, because I feel like the appearance of Luke took away from the wonder of everything else. It took away the thunder from everything else for me. Um, they had did a very good job uh, bringing him to life this time. Uh, the first time... Uh, yeah, I, I think he worked in the season finale of uh, the second season of The Mandalorian. Um, story-wise, but this episode, apart from, you know, Cobb and Cad, it didn't belong here. It belonged somewhere else. It mm-hmm. could have just, you know, like, cut, shoop, straight into the Mandalorian. Um, that's how I felt about it. I, it didn't feel like it connected at all. It kind of did in the finale, but then when we get to talking about the finale, I have qualms about that too um yeah it was crazy beautiful i enjoyed the first time i watched it i was super apprehensive i was almost i almost had like a knot in my stomach watching it the first time i didn't mm-hmm. know how to feel or think um but then when i watched it watched it the second time i enjoyed it i appreciate it appreciated the beauty the craft the whole planet, uh, I think it's Yawin 4. The cinematography, again, was super beautiful. It was such a great, like, atmospheric place. But then you felt like Ahsoka was, like, thrown in randomly. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. But overall, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was very beautiful Star Wars storytelling. But, again, not in this series. Yeah. It was out of place in that sense. Yeah, I think yeah, it's definitely uh from from my opinion at least, I think yeah, it was it was out of place. Now all of that stuff is awesome. Um I the Cobb Vanth and Cad Bane stuff that made that made yeah the most sense to me, and that was probably my favorite parts of the episode. But I mean, seeing R2D2 again, he's my favorite character, that was awesome. Seeing yeah. Luke train Grogu, that's awesome. Seeing yeah. Luke and Ahsoka on screen together, that's awesome. But yeah, I've been I've been thinking about it, and the best analogy I can come up with for it is it's kind of like when you get a greatest hits album from your favorite band. It's all of yeah. their like best songs, but they don't have any of like the the context or the story that they have on their own individual right. albums. Right. So it just right, it just right, feels right. different. They're a little bit kind of mm-hmm. disjointed, and that's kind of how I felt about the episode. Um, 
I I'm happy that it exists and I'm I'm really happy that people loved it and a lot of people yeah. got got to see what they have always wanted to wanted, see in their exactly. heads. That's that's cool but but yeah for me I think you know I could have I could have cut out some of it or at least shortened some of it and told more of Boba Fett's story and yeah. that would have made chapter 7 make more sense to me. Uh, but let's yeah. talk about let's uh let's get into that. Let's uh wrap this tale this book up. For today, Chapter 7, In the Name of Honor, Robert Rodriguez is back to direct the finale. A uh, very long episode. It's a little over an hour, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we finally get that big action piece that people right. have been wanting. So, uh, Cassio, what, do you, what did you think about the uh, finale here? One thing I want to say is uh, that Max Rebo survived. Uh, and that makes two explosions. He has narrowly avoided. So uh, <laughs> that's right. We did. We did not did see. We did not see Max Rebo in the sanctuary when it exploded. Right. So we're. Okay. Uh, my working theory is that Max Rebo hired them to blow up the sanctuary. But you know, that's that's oh, just that's just me. I don't, I don't know for sure. Little yeah. bad Ortolan. <laughs> uh, but like, if he didn't hire the if he didn't hire the hit, like he is a battle scarred. Uh, He's gonna be. He's gonna be like, not in a great place the next time we see him. He's like, how did all no. my bandmates like die? Not once, but twice. You know, like he'll be hurt and Aww. haunted, and like have to deal with that. He'll keep losing. Traumatized. He's already down from four legs to two legs. <laughs> he's gotta. Oh, he's gotta. He's gotta start uh, t- hanging out in less dangerous places. Yeah, a gig is a gig, though. You know, so. I just wanted to throw that in there. Like, I might be like, you know, the, uh, well, I think like Hooney's probably the biggest Max Rebo fan, but I think like I'm up there uh, and uh, just had to say that he survived and may not be in a good place. But um, in the name (laughs) of honor, um, I think it, I think it was a good um, episode. Like maybe I didn't like love it. I didn't hate it. Like I seven out of 10 it, you know, uh, Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I do think my favorite part uh, is when Mando and Grogu are reunited and like uh, then their little chariot thing they are um, all riding in with Peli like it's flipped over and like uh, Mando like cradles Baby Yoda and then like <laughs> Peli Mato just like gets flung over and like it loses its tooth <laughs> and chokes on her spit and just has to deal yes. with that. <laughs> I just cackling yes. forever, but I was like, she so lost funny. a tooth, so like maybe she could get a modified tooth, you know, like a mod, right? Oh. Even a blue tooth, right, you know, right. like she could access yeah, a blue, you know, tooth. the hollow net, like oh it could be her little hot spot, and like she could access like uh, the the <laughs> Netflix of the galaxy far, far away, which is you know Disney Plus, you know. A, mm-hmm. The Bluetooth is an actual tooth. I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh! You know, it's uh, the whole uh, side notes. Uh, the name comes from a Danish, or no, sorry, Norwegian king, oh. Harold Bluetooth. He existed. He peacefully united uh, Scandinavia yeah. back in. Oh. The 11th century, I think, or something like that. Or yeah, that's where the symbol for it comes from, oh. too. Yeah, it's so random. Excellent. Exactly, I love it. Yeah, it's like H and uh, B, but in runes. 
Yeah. I did know that, that I'm also a history nerd and do have like some, some friends across the pond, you know, in the Scandinavian waters, you know, so. Oh, well, there you go. No, that's good. It's, it's important to learn something uh, every day too. So this episode is brought to you by Bluetooth. So the more you know. That's right. Pelly Motto's Bluetooth, uh, to be exact. But but yeah, I, this is a, a big action extravaganza. We get to see a lot of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we get to see kind of Boba's, uh, you know, cast of uh, his little you know, army he put together, uh, kind of separated around the town. Um, and it looks pretty bad for all of them. Uh, it looks really bad for the Gamorreans. Yeah. Um, but, you know, everyone else kind of kind of makes it out of there. Um, the people from Freetown end up coming back in to help save the day, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, and you get, you finally get that, uh, that Mandalorian and Boba Fett, like super team out trying to take out yes. the, take out the pikes. You get to see them and, uh, you know, kind of in their, all their glory. I think Boba uses all of the weapons he's, you know, had in all of the yeah. different, uh, legends so books and things. So yeah. His knee guns were utilized and I was like, Oh, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so do that. Um, we get to see the Rancor tearing through town, a la King Kong. So that's pretty exciting. Um, that was, you know, something I'd seen. A lot of people were hoping he'd be riding on the Rancor uh, when, you know, we got that gift from Danny Trejo. So, uh, you know, excited to see that. That was pretty cool. Um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the same kind of motions and things. It, it looked really good. I thought the CGI on him. Yeah. Yeah, sure. and those like. Uh... I kind of call them like centaur droids. They kind of looked like a little bit like the Harryhausen desert creatures we saw. Mm-hmm. And I want to say, was it episode one or two? Like, I was like, did they kind of mm-hmm. get the idea for those creatures? Like kind of from like wildlife on, on tattooing. Uh, so I thought they were kind of unique, epic droiky does, you know, like. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they were, they were pretty cool. Um, I do think that, they kind of this big street fight i it felt a little long-winded to me like the robot seemed yeah. a little little a little overpowered um i i guess which was kind of the the setup for getting the rancor in there but i thought that that could have been yeah. trimmed up a little bit there was a part when i was watching it and i think it was when you know kind of like the the mod gang kids and everyone um and all the people from freetown got like kind of pinned down in that building and they were in there for a while and i was like where's Fennec? Why isn't Fennec here? And then I'm like, oh yeah, she was going to get the mayor, but she mm-hmm. hasn't done that yet. I was like, I was like, this seems like, mm-hmm. like this could be uh sped up a little bit, uh, maybe. And may, and may, that's just a, a pacing thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that goes back, I guess, to, you know, the episode with the, the Ma gang and that, and that street fight maybe. So, uh, I'm not sure that was, that was kind of my big critique on, on the way that the fight was going down. But, uh, what about you, Matilda or Cassia? What were your kind of overall, um, I guess thoughts of the episode or any anything that you really liked or you know anything that you wish you would have seen or I uh to start with the positives I loved Grogu and his interaction with the Rancor yes you know the fact that he tapped into the force and made it go to sleep and then he just lay down next to it for a nap (laughs) (laughs) well yeah that was just amazing um I felt the reunion between Mando and Grogu was super rushed. And that's mm-hmm. one of my biggest critiques of this episode. Um, it, they just had to, you know, cram in 
so many things to wrap up the whole story into one and the same episode. And some of it worked and other other things didn't. Mm -hmm. um, I should add a loved Cad Bane and the whole standoff between him and Boba and how, you know, Cad Bane has known Boba for quite a few years and um, he really gets to him. He knows his weak spots and how to get un under his skin and provoke him. I love the dialogue going on there. It was pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. um, one of the best things about this episode. Um, other than that, um, oh, I think the absolute peak moment was the ending. With oh, okay. Dun and Grogu. <laughs> Dun and Grogu. Because yeah. it was so relatable. Uh, having kids sitting in the car, being obnoxious and annoying. Um, and you just do what they want to please them because you're too tired to say no. Uh, <laughs> so relatable. I laughed so hard. Um, um, when it yeah. comes to like overall things that I would really, you know, wish they were different about the episode, about the whole series. Um, what do you want to hear? Yeah, let's um, let's just for for chapter seven. I guess were there any kind of loose threads from the story that you would have liked to have seen um, in chapter right. seven to kind of kind of wrap this thing up, and then we'll kind of yeah. get into our overall thoughts on the on the series. Um, this episode did kind of feel a bit long. Um, I do. Yeah, Robert Rodriguez is is fun. Like I I really did love yeah. Alita Battle Angel. Uh, it was a really good memory seeing that in theaters. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, like on Valentine's Day a few years ago uh, with a dear friend. Uh, and, oh. uh, like, I don't think Robert Rodriguez is going to be working, going to be working on Star Wars anymore. I would be surprised if he did. I don't think he's a bad director, but mm -hmm. I think it just, his vision didn't quite jive, you know, with... Uh, yeah. Favreau and Filoni's writing, like, not that I think, like, Favreau and Filoni are kind of, like, innocent here. Like, I do question a lot of the writing choices that were made this season. Yeah. Um, but. You bring, you bring up an interesting point about that you thought that this felt a little bit long. And I mentioned that I thought that it seemed um, like that battle was just, uh, you know, kind of going on and on. Could have been, you know, yeah. pared down a little bit. It, it's interesting that this was the longest episode um, of the season. Um, and his other two episodes were short, like they were like half this length, the other two. Yeah. So, <laughs> so maybe each of those needed like five more minutes and this needed uh, like 10 less minutes. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it would have, maybe would have made the, the pacing match, but yeah, his episodes just, they were just so completely different yeah. than the other ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think Fennec's epic moment, I think when he, uh, when she was taking revenge for Boba that should have belonged to Boba. Um, but I did want her to do something epic, but like, I just kind of think Fennec wasn't yeah. utilized properly in that episode. No, exactly. Agree. Yeah. I could have, I could have stood to have like another, like, like 60 seconds of her, like sneaking in to the, to the mayor's yeah. office, um, like showing like how she got in and stuff. Um, I thought would have been cool, but, um, but yeah, uh, it, I mean, it, it wrapped up the story. It left it. I don't know, like it, it just kind of the story ends with Boba and Fennec walking, walking through the town and, you know, the Ma gang is there and Black Santa is there and um, 
you don't know. Like it felt like that could be like the end of the story or uh, very much like it could continue on, I guess. I don't, yeah. I don't know, but I, I don't know. This is, this is interesting. So if I look at, at this, you know, Cassie and I, we have a Star Wars podcast. Matilda, you have a Star Wars Instagram page. We have Star Wars Instagram right. pages, Star Wars Twitter accounts. You know, most of the people that we interact with love Star Wars, you know, <laughs> on this on the same kind of passionate level as we do. I wonder if, like, I took someone, you know, just off the street who doesn't know anything about Star Wars or care about Star Wars, and I said, here, watch this, if they would turn it on, and would they have any idea what's going on <laughs> in this story? Um, it's... It's a lot of callbacks. It's it's yeah. a lot of it's a lot of inside baseball. So I think I think that while this does do a, a good job of telling a story that people who are well invested into the Star Wars universe can yeah. enjoy, uh, like us, I don't know I don't know how what the like broad appeal of it would be. Maybe I don't I don't know I don't know if that's that's too harsh. But that was kind of my thoughts on it as I was watching the last couple of episodes. Yeah, yeah. I am thinking a lot about you know the fact that. Um, we didn't get like a proper build up for a lot of moments. Uh, for example, the Pikes didn't seem that evil. Mm-hmm. I feel like they should have shown us more of what they were capable of. And I also wish they had prepared us better for the conflict that was yeah. going on. Because now we're just thrown in, you know, for four episodes, it was kind of building up. And then we're going away for two episodes, kind of forgetting about everything. And then all of a sudden, we're like thrown in back again and back at it. And I just wish they had built it up better. And just a tiny detail, which maybe doesn't matter. But I feel like it would have been nice to see Boba develop like a relationship with that Rancor. Um, mm-hmm. Just a few examples. Um, and I just can't help having this feeling in my gut. Even though, you know, Timur Morrison has made me love Boba Fett and those four first episodes, at the end of this series, I feel like Din and Grogu got the better storytelling, the better moments, um, better chances for character development. And they were just set up better for more, like, mostly more rewarding stories, while Boba kind of a little bit got the scraps, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Not entirely... Uh, but it's kind of disappointing that they weren't gutsy enough to skip that yeah. arc with him, with Din and Grogu. Yeah. Um, Honestly, if I were Timur Morrison, I would feel offended uh, with the with yeah. the episode, like with the the season I got. You know, it's called the Book of Boba Fett. You know. Um, yeah. And kind of one thing I'm wondering is like maybe should this series should have taken place like on tattooing because like part of me is like kind of worrying like uh, are there kind of like limited stories that can take place on tattooing like there's only so many Mm. like influences it's very influenced by like kind of old westerns you know uh yeah and i'm kind of like is this gonna play out it actually kind of makes me a little worried for kenobi and i'm like uh, oh my so much tattooing uh like, I wonder if, like, this would have taken place on Narshada, Coruscant, like, uh, what if it's kind of like a uh, galaxy hopping, you know? Uh, yeah. He could have been yeah. a bounty hunter. We could have had, like, the Godfather, you know, in space. Like, yes. And I'm just kind of <laughs> like, but this is what we got. Like, 
But I even feel like the moments we got, like a war for like one neighborhood on Tatooine could have been cool, but I just don't think it, they earned it, like you were saying. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was okay with spending all of the time on Tatooine. That's one of the highlights of the show for me, um, at least you know, in the parts that we were on Tatooine there, is it it kind of gave Tatooine more of like a scope than we've ever had. Like it, it felt more yeah. like a city. It wasn't, you know, just just the, you know, Luke's uh, you know, farmstead and a cantina and yeah. that was it, right? Like it gave it like more of a feeling of like an actual like city and place and you know a place where people live and work and things so i i appreciated that from you know kind of a world building standpoint on it um i don't know as far as kenobi goes i don't know presumably it'll be on tatooine but i i don't know i i suspect that obi-wan's going to be jetting around a little bit probably from time to time so yeah so i kind of hope we get a uh, season two and we focus more on Boba. I hope he's not just an accessory to Mando. You yeah. know, like he was the original Mandalorian. And now that I'm kind of a Boba Fett person trademark, like I'm like, I want to see him <laughs> yeah. respected. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Can I add another point of criticism, which is kind of connected? I yeah. feel like. They also chickened out on the character development of uh, female yeah. characters. Um, on a surface level, we got some really great characters like, you know, uh, Madame Garza, uh, Joe, and what's her name? The mod girl, um, Drash. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ahsoka appearing and so on and so forth. And Fennec, especially. But it was just on a surface level. We never got to go beyond, beyond the surface. And I just wish, please, Lucasfilm, if you hear me, don't chicken out on, you know, writing deep stories about strong women in Star Wars. Don't be afraid. Just go for it. Because it's going to be so rewarding when you do. And when you don't, just falls a little bit flat. Because I feel like Fennec Shand was so underutilized for such an amazing actress as Ming-Na Wen, Oh man, I just wish they would have scrapped the whole Din and Grogu arc and gone for her instead, and you know, more of Boba, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. It would have made more, made much more sense for their relationship and all all of that. Yeah. To see her growth and yeah. Yeah, I mean they brought her back yep. from the dead, like, and there has to be a purpose yeah. for that. Yeah, and that for me, that's that's the big takeaway. Like the. The back half of the season just felt so detached from the first half. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it kind of, you know, story story direction with the Tuscans aside, I really liked what we got in the first four episodes. Yeah. Um, building his backstory, and it seemed like we were going to get more of that, you know, with Fennec Shan, and then it, it just goes in a completely different direction. So that leaves me that that leaves me wanting more. So I don't know if we will if we'll have a second book of Boba Fett, um, or if now that just these characters are just going to exist in the Mandalorian and these other shows. I don't, I don't know, but I would, <laughs> I would like to maybe see the other two episodes that should have been about Boba yeah. Fett at some point. So I, uh, you saw the end credit scene with Cobb Vanth, I mm-hmm. guess the fact that he's still alive. And I feel like, uh, the fact that, um, you do see, interestingly enough, Boba, you know, in the last conversation they're having, he's not entirely 
comfortable in his, in his new role as uh, uh, daimyo on the planet, you know, walking mm -hmm. around, sh shaking people, people's hands, receiving gifts from kids and so on. So I'm just wondering, the fact that, you know, Cobb Vanth is still alive, is he going to take over the rule of Maz Espa eventually? Mm -hmm. uh, you never know. Maybe that's setting up for a second season. I wouldn't mind because I want, I just want more Fennec Shand. Same here. Period. I love her. I love her so much. And more Bova, obviously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel, I don't feel satisfied with this season. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully we get we get more of Fennec Shan from this point forward, um, kind mm -hmm. of in this Boba story for her to come, you know, kind of come full circle like we like we started to see with Boba Fett, and hopefully we get more yeah. of her story, um, you know, once uh, Bad Batch comes back on, um, if she's going to right. be playing a part in that. So hopefully we get some more of her backstory, um, and you know, her growing up because we kind of have that with with Boba his you know, his arcs on the, on the Clone Wars and stuff like that. So I would love to yeah. learn more about her and who she is and where she came from and, and how she ended up on Tatooine in the first place. Yeah. So yeah, more Fennec and, uh, I'd love like just kind of continuing great roles for female characters. Cause I, I just think like, uh, yeah. we need more, you know, and I like that. And, if they're kind of inspired by the book, The Heroine with a Thousand and One Faces by Maria Tatar, yeah. I'd be down for that. That's why I'm really looking forward to Acolyte. And like, I'm like, let's get more female mm -hmm. directors and writers, you know? Yeah. And yeah. just yep. like more writers across all spectrums, please. It, it really shows. And I, I kind of think like, that's why I had a lot of problems with uh, Mandalorian season two and, uh, and mm -hmm. the book of Boba Fett. Um, but one thing I just want to add is I'm so glad that Cobb survived. It's canon and Mando <laughs> mm -hmm. and Cobb can Aww, go on yeah. a date in the future and I'd be down for that. So, yeah. yeah. And whatever show Cobb Vance shows up in, Cassio will be waiting to watch Happy. it. No doubt. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. Timothy Oliphant straight into our hearts. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess that is probably as good a place to stop as any. With Pop our yeah. with uh, with everyone's everyone's favorite space uh, sheriff Cobb Vance. So, yes. Matilda, thank you so much for coming on and talking about the book of Boba Fett with us, talking about Star Wars with us. Um, it was it was a wild ride, and I think we we can all agree that we're very happy that we got to you know sit down at our TVs and watch Star Wars every week for the yes. last seven weeks. So so uh, grateful. Definitely definitely great for that. So uh, everyone listening out there. Uh, you should definitely check out the Swedish Jedi on Instagram. So Matilda, why don't you tell everyone uh, where they can connect with you and see what you have going on? Yeah. So I have my, basically I'm on Instagram. Uh, I don't do Twitter uh, for different reasons. So at the Swedish Jedi, that's where you find me. And I will be bringing, you know, a lot of thoughts the coming weeks on Viserys, I presume, and uh, I also like to talk about other fandoms, so I'm excited about the uh, Lord of the Rings series coming, and also um, Jurassic Park World, I mean, is coming. that's coming up, mm -hmm. and Dune, I like to talk about Dune, so I do different, I don't just, just don't just do Star Wars, I do other things as well, um, yeah, so 
you're welcome to join me on Instagram. Awesome. Uh, and uh, I will say, may the force be with you in, in English, because I, I really can't do it in Danish. So um, <laughs> no one needs to. No, just kidding. Uh, but um, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we'll have to have you on again sometime to talk about Lord of the Rings, because I'm trying to become more of a, yeah. a Tolkien yes. person, you know, uh, and I'm excited for that show. You, yes. You'll get there. You'll get there. <laughs> so anyways, um, I guess that is the end of the book of Boba Fett, but it can always be reopened again. So uh, take care, everyone, and may the force be with you. Public podcast can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out. And if you want to connect with the podcast on Twitter, we can be found at Old Republic Pod. And if you want to connect with me, I can be found on Instagram at Astro underscore Droid underscore. You can find us on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Older Public Podcast. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Dennis S. Mowers at dennissmowersmusic.com. This episode of the Older Public Podcast has been brought to you by Nikki Dog from Patreon. May the force be with you. We will be back soon. Bye for now. <laughs>